When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Tim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Green as always for the wonder of parenting, a brain science approach to parenting. This is our first episode of year number five. So last week we celebrated our four-year anniversary and we've got a special guest with us today uh, and you're really going to enjoy him. What he's talking about is so important and I'm going to introduce him to you in just a moment. But first, we want to give a special shout out to our sponsors. And uh, I want to take the time to just say a very special thanks, as always, to Dr. Greg Jantz. Speaking of writers and writing and reading, uh, we've mentioned this many times. He is a prolific author, puts out a book a year, and uh, and there are always fantastic books about whatever it is you're struggling with. His latest is on anxiety. And he and the folks up there at the Center of Place of Hope in the Seattle area can offer some great help for you uh, if you or your family members ever need uh, some extra help going through stuff. So we encourage you to go to wonderparenting.com and check out our uh, our site there. Of course, there are places you can ask us questions, and there'll be a link to the Center of Place of Hope. And then, Michael, talk a bit about Man Cave. Yes, our other sponsor, uh, Man Cave, in the Phoenix area, although it is it is national, uh, this is a partnership between the City of Phoenix Human Services Department, My Brother's Keeper, and Greater Phoenix Urban League, um, and they do work both in-person and uh, virtual, and it's a Nurturing Fathers program. It was developed by Marion Hill, so it was founded right there using Nurturing Fathers program um, stuff, but founded by uh, Marion Hill right there in Phoenix, and it's been expanding. They do uh, fathering in 15, which is 15 topics in 15 minutes, you know, so they've got it really set up to help fathers and help families. Um, And it stands for men need to be caring, actively engaged, vested, and encouraged. So it has a kind of a wonderful, uh, what is that, acrostic. Uh, so go to wonderofparenting.com if you're a dad or you're supporting a dad or you are in any way connected to a dad. Um, go to uh, wonderofparenting.com and then you'll see how to access Man Cave from there. So at the risk of a shameless plug, uh, I wrote a book and just released it recently called The Adventures of Toby Baxter, The River Elf, The Giant in the Closet, written for middle school kids and their families. And in the process of starting to market that book, uh, I came across Jed, who is doing some amazing work, Jed Dotary, who's doing some amazing work with reading with your kids. And he interviewed me on his podcast a couple weeks ago. And the work he's doing is so impressive and so important. I thought we would return the favor. So Jed, welcome to the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Hey, Tim, Dr. Michael, thanks for having me on. So Jed, just... Give us a little background. Where are you uh, right now? Where do you live? 
I am coming to you from the beautiful neighborhood of Reedville, which is in the southwest corner of Boston, Massachusetts. We're in the shadow of the Great Blue Hills. Uh, it's a ski area. It's about 50 feet high. It's not much of a ski area, but it's <laughs> the closest to Boston. And uh, it's it's uh, really neat. Reedville is this really neat little neighborhood we're, we're within the city of boston limits but it feels like we're in the country there's a, mm. a wildlife sanctuary next to my property and two blocks down the street is was at the former training ground uh for the massachusetts 51st 54th regiment which was the first all-black regiment that served in the civil war and so we have lots of history here in Reedville, fantastic neighbors. And uh, it just so happens that we uh, broadcast the uh, Reading With Your Kids podcast. Well, I uh, this is way off topic, but uh, my wife loves doing ancestry stuff. And we discovered we have some relatives. I have some relatives who actually fought in that very first skirmish uh, where the shot was heard around the world. And uh, so we've got some relatives buried somewhere around Boston. Uh, so we're going to come up and see you sometime because we want to go see our dead relatives. Awesome. Well, hopefully I won't be buried next to them by the time you get there. <laughs> now, <laughs> speaking of Reedville, we're going to talk about reading here. Ooh, uh, good. Jed, thank you. Is it Reed R-E-E-D or is it R-E-A-D? R-E-A-D, yep. Look, wow. So it, you couldn't have picked a better place to be reading with your kids than Reedville. That's amazing. Well, the sad thing is that it actually took me two years before I made the connection between the <laughs> publishing the Reading With Your Kids podcast from Reedville. I, I guess okay. that out and I'm like, uh, duh. But uh, Well, so th that tells you the caliber of our guests for today, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, Jed, tell us, first of all, how did you get into this Reading With Your Kids well, you know, I was, um, I had done a couple of podcasts on, uh, different topics. I was looking for a way to kind of connect the live shows, hoping that I could create a show that, uh, that, uh, parents would listen to after their kids came home and said, Oh, this guy did this amazing magic show at my school today. And he has a internet radio show. So you should listen to it. And, um, uh, at the time I was doing a lot of Catholic schools. And I talked to some quote unquote, uh, podcasting experts and they all agreed you should do a podcast about Catholicism. And I thought, Whoa, yeah, they're the experts and I should listen to them. And I had everything set up. And right before I pressed the button to make it all happen, I like a good Catholic boy, I said a prayer and God came back and said, nah, don't do that. And mm -hmm. literally Within a half an hour, I found the name Reading With Your Kids. I owned the, you know, bought the domain, set that up, and we launched the same day. Uh, just wow. found an author online and said, hey, do you want to come on and, and do an interview? And he said yes, and it, it went off from there. And I realized at the time it was a really good decision because my, my kids are now adults right now, and they're amazing young people, and I'm so proud of them. And we have such a great relationship with them. And I understand the relationship that my wife and I have with my 26 and 29 year old started when they were infants and we started reading to them and we were asking them questions and letting them know that we valued their opinion and let them know that we thought that they were really important by spending time with them. And we listened to them and we were interested in them. And I wanted to share that little bit of knowledge that I gained with people out there. 
And it certainly has resonated. Um, authors are, you know, are, are very quick to get on the show. Um, you know, I, I've met amazing authors and, and become friends with many of those author, authors like Tim, and it's just been such a blessing. So, Michael, just for some context, mm-hmm. you know, you and I record 30 minutes once a week. Jed, you do 30 minutes plus every single day. Is it seven days a week? Seven days a week. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Some poor soul out there is listening to me seven days a week. I feel so. Tough. So we're going to, we'll give your, we'll make sure we give your website at the end, but it's, it, it it's readingwithkids.com. Is that right? Readingwithyourkids.com. Readingwithyourkids.com, right? Readingwithyourkids.com. So you, by now you have got uh, a whole boatload of really great interviews with some really engaging authors. Uh, I know that you did LeVar Burton. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about that experience and your conversation with him. That was amazing. It actually happened really early on in the f- second year of the show. Uh, my son texted me one day and he said, Hey, you should have Labard Burton on your, on your podcast. And I said, yeah, and I should have a million dollars in my bank account too, mm-hmm. but neither one of those things are going to happen. But I thought, it's worth a shot. And so I did some research and I found an email. I reached out and uh, lo and behold, I had contacted LaVar's wife and uh, she contacted me a day or two later and said, LaVar would love to be on the show. Um, he came on, we interviewed him maybe a week or two weeks later. He was amazing. Just simply amazing. Uh, a, a very gracious person, uh, made me feel at ease. I was <clears throat> incredibly nervous meeting this person mm. that I'd been watching on TV for decades, uh, first as uh, Kunta Kinte in Roots. And uh, I kind of missed reading Rainbow, though my kids were fans. Um, and uh, then, of course, as watching him as Cap- uh, Lieutenant Jody LaForge on Star Trek, The Next Generation. Um, but he was wonderful. And he had such passion. Mm-hmm. And insights. And, um, one of the things that I love to share, we created a meme is he said, reading is emancipating. Mm. That we teach our kids to read. We give them the tools they need to get the information they need to make choices and to change their lives. And I thought that that was such, uh, such a powerful thought. And yeah. It was just, it was just wonderful. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. So, so Jed, let's mm. pick up on that a little bit. For you, what have you discovered? You've had so many conversations with people now. What is it about reading with our kids that is so very, very important? Well, you know, there are so many benefits. Uh, kids, obviously, they learn how to read when you're reading with them. They develop vocabulary. A kid who is read to 20 minutes a day, every day, by the time that kid gets to kindergarten, he or she would have will have heard over 800,000 more words than their peers who were not read to. So mm. that 
a tremendous advantage and it's an advantage that stays with kids. Um, it, it helps kids build empathy because it, a book can be a window into the lives of, of kids of different races, different cultures, um, different ethnicities, different genders. For me still, I think the most important thing about reading with our kids is a relationship that we develop with our kids. When we sit with our kids, believe it or not, especially those of you who have parent who have kids who are in the teens and they're telling you every day that they hate you and they don't want you to be near them, they actually love you and you are still one of the most important people in their lives. And when the most important important person in your life makes the choice to spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes with you a day, that's saying to the kid, you are important. Mm. When we're listening to our kids, asking their opinions, we're letting them know that we we respect what they're thinking. We're interested in, in, in who they are and how they think. And having a dialogue with them and having conversations with them, it again, it it's empowering. It lets them know that we value them as people. So, Michael, you you've mm. been an advocate of reading with kids for a long, long time. Why? What does it do for the brain uh, to have a book read to you? Well, everything that Jed's saying, um, absolutely. You know, you could you could peel the brain away and look at it from inside the brain's point of view, and you know, total agreement. There's there's a part of the brain, for instance, the uh, visual fusiform area which is just one of the areas that handles words and word production. And um, those, those circuits, that part of the brain uh, doesn't really, you know, develop as well. Um, and it's, it's very necessary for life. It doesn't develop as well in kids who are not read to and who, as they become older, then start reading back to their parents, you know, um, that we need that to develop. And one of the, uh, and there are a lot of tentacles to that area, as Jed's indicating, all the way on the empathy side, you know, can connect to that. And then the word production area and the relational. Um, uh, so we need that part of the brain. It's just one of the parts to develop. And when kids don't get that, when parents are not reading to them, um, it's one of the things we study when we look at patterns socioeconomic patterns, um, poverty-informed pattern, patterns, trauma-informed in families, um, uh, race and ethnicity-informed, where we're trying to, to get parents of all the different demographics to read to kids, because when the kids get to, uh, you know, they're five, six, seven, they enter kindergarten, then first grade, they're in second grade, um, then we can really, really track the development of these parts of the brain and they haven't developed as well. And that puts these kids at a significant disadvantage um, uh, all the way through to socioeconomic, how much they're going to earn later, you know, to how they're going to mate later, who they're going to be attractive to. Are they going to go to college? Um, not all, of course, will go to college. Only a third of our American kids go to college, but, but, you know, that's in there too. And, and, uh, uh, having books around the house and then having the parents reading the books to and with the kids is I, I think central to Mm. brain development now, you know, maybe not 5,000 years ago, but now absolutely. When, when Jed and I were talking um, in, in the podcast that he uh, invited me on to, we were talking a bit about the differences between, 
the way that boys and girls tend to consume words, use words. Mm. And he asked me a really interesting question. He says, is there a difference between reading a book to a girl or to a boy? And um, I, of course, had a really brilliant answer, which I cannot remember for the life of me. And I'm sure Jed can't either. Uh, but I can't is there ask you that question? Yeah. So <laughs> is, well, when you do a podcast today, you're just lucky to remember you had a guest on, right? Um, <laughs> Michael, is there a difference if you're reading a book with a boy and with a girl, would you do it a little differently or does it not really matter when you're reading a book? Well, you know, yeah, yes and no. I mean, the, the the no part is it doesn't really matter. You're going to read the book to the child. And then as the child gets older, the child's reading back to you. Um, and however, that works for you and this child. So mm-hmm. um, so that would be, you know, the bottom line. But at the same time, uh, parents are going to organically notice some differences. So uh, a lot of the boys are not going to sit still in exactly the same way as the girls are. Um, and of course, we've done many programs of why that is what goes on in the male brain and, and makes the males move around so much more. So there are the, parents may not notice this on an individual occasion. Like on Monday, I read to my son and he didn't squirm at all. He just sat there for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah. But if you aggregate it all and you look at a week or two weeks or three weeks of daily reading with boys and girls, you'll tend to find more physical movement around mm-hmm. among the boys and more of the fidgety and all of the stuff that has to do with the way, the way their brains work. But they are listening and they are engaged and it's having all the advantages that Jed uh, is talking about. Um, with girls, you'd see you know somewhat less of that movement. Um, with boys, you might also see that they, it's good for them to actually, so that they can sit still with you. It's good for them to be doing something while they're listening. Um, uh, you know, squeezing a squeeze ball or something. If they, if they're going to be so fidgety and moving around that they're not going to listen, you'd tend to find that less with, with girls. Certainly the most profound brain difference that we see between boys and girls has to do with the developmental tempo of the parts of the brain that acquire words. And Mm. that's a year to a year and a half behind for boys. So behind girls, so girls acquire these words and form these sentences in their heads and verbally sooner than boys do. And we always know there are some exceptional boys who do it very quickly, but um, in the aggregate boys are behind girls. So, um, but that doesn't mean the parents, you know, shouldn't read to the boys or something like that. No, they got to read to everybody. And part of how they would help these boys catch up, let's say, who are behind is going to be the reading itself. Um, And it just may be that the, that they will organically altered their process where they'll read something to a three-year-old girl because she can acquire it and they'll they won't even know they're thinking it but they know their three-year-old boy can't acquire that yet so they read something else to him Mm -hmm. and you know i don't think parents are really conscious of this they read something else they know he can acquire but then gradually he's going to catch up and he's going to be able to acquire what she can acquire so that's probably the most profound brain difference but again there are exceptions some girls who are behind boys so i I never want to say there aren't exceptions it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
So Jed, in, in your experience uh, over these last few years, talking to a lot of different authors and thinking about parents reading to their children, are there certain types of books that for you seem to sort of move to the top? For, let's start with our younger children. Let's say pre-K up to kindergarten. Um, are there certain types of books that you would would push more for parents to read uh, than, say, others that maybe are more engaging? Uh, and are there some authors that you've really come to appreciate? Uh, well, boy, authors, I'm going to get in trouble if I leave anybody out. Um, I know myself, as Dr. Mike was speaking, I was thinking back to when my kids were younger and my son is older than my daughter. And I know books, uh, one book that my son adored was a book called Dogzilla, which was just this crazy book about mm-hmm. a dog who ran havoc and just crushed things. And he could sit and and pay attention and listen to that book over and over and over again. There are other books that my daughter books by Tommy DePaula that had a little bit more meat and a little bit more story, um, talked more about emotions and, and relationships. Mm. And those were things that my daughter would really kind of grab onto and, and hold. So I think um, the biggest thing for me in, in, in looking for books would be, with your kids, you know, go to a bookstore and see what mm, it, right. I know they exist in some places still, but you know, see what, what your kids are interested in. And again, that's another way to empower them and just say, Hey, I care about you. I'm not going to just going to buy and make your decisions for what you read. Let's do this together. Um, and so if you see, if, if, if your kids are gravitating to books that are really have the really bright colors and the outrageous characters, um, then, those would be the books that I grab for that kid. And if you have another kid who seems to be a little bit more thoughtful, slower, um, maybe a gentler spirit, there are books that I think are going to appeal to them. Um, we've had, we've had just so many, I, I, I don't want to, to, to na- start naming, <laughs> naming authors that have been on the show. Cause I'll forget people and, and they'll get very yeah. angry with me. But I, one of the things I will say is that, um, a place like Amazon or barnesandnoble.com places where you can look at books together and places that will give you access to more independent authors, because there are lots of independent self-published authors that are doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. um, And that are diving into topics that the big major publishing houses aren't grabbing onto. Uh, you know, the big publishing houses are, they, they, they do amazing things and they're producing beautiful books, but they follow trends and they're in it to, to make money. So a, a book about a particular STEM field may not get the recognition, may not get published by a big traditional publishing house, whereas an indie, indie author would take the chance and get that story out there. So, I, you know, in terms of picking a book, I would try to do it with my kids, see what they seem to enjoy, see what colors, see what pictures, cover art mm-hmm. they're attracted to. And then as you start reading with them. One of the things that you yeah. mentioned early on in our interview, and I know this is big for Michael as well, uh, was from time to time to find those books where it stimulates conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the family. And I, you're partly, you're talking about that now with some of these uh, more self-published books that are coming out where they're engaging topics that give opportunity to, to stop and say, what would you do or how would you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be a, a, important for you. Speak a bit about that. 
I think it's incredibly important. Um, all those topics that we are terrified when we become parents and we look ahead and we think, oh man, when my kid gets to be 14, 15, 16 years old, I'm going to have to talk to him about sex and drugs and alcohol and driving. And, oh, I don't want to, that those conversations start when the kids are two and three years old. Right. You're not talking about drugs when they're two and three, but you're talking about choices that characters are making in a story. And what do you think about that choice? Was that a good choice? Would you have made the same choice? You don't think it was a good choice? What do you think? How do you think the character could have made a better choice? And those conversations, when they start, when the kids are three or four or five years old, and you're saying, I value your opinion. Uh, we might not agree, but I value how you're thinking. Let's talk this through. Why do you think that way? Then when the kid gets to be 10, 11, 12 years old, now you can start reading stories that are dealing with those issues that you're so terrified about. But when you start having conversations about it, you're not sitting down having the talk with your kid. You're sitting down talking about something a character did in a book. And what do you think? How do you think the character acted? Do you think they made a good choice? Do you think you would have done something differently? And so it's just a great way to, to uh, in a safe way, to talk about some really difficult uh, topics and, um, and again, it's, it's a great way to instill your values. You know, you don't have to pound your, uh, pound your values, uh, pound your kids over the head with your values. You just tell a story and Hey, I would have made this choice because of the way I feel. And because I look at the world this way, mm. that, Michael, uh, oh, go, ahead. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I, You're uh, probably going to say what I was. Uh, you say it then. Well, I was, you know, in listening to you and what you just said, it struck me that um, uh, sometime if you want, no no pressure on you, but if you want, uh, have me on, invite me on to your podcast and we can talk about the Stone Boys, which I don't know if, I, you know, if it exists. It fits two things that you're saying. One is I shopped it. It's a young adult novel. So it's for <laughs> young adults and um, and their families. And I sh it fits exactly. I shopped it to New York publishers because I have a lot of contacts there. My previous 30 books were with New York publishers mm -hmm. and they were like, uh, well, we'd like you to change it to, to be now instead of 1975. And, and cause it's about two boys growing up. Um, and so I ended up going with an independent press. And then the other way it fits is the, the moral choice thing. It was really written to get young adults. So middle school and up to, look at moral choice making in the face of trauma. So mm -hmm. you've been traumatized and you know, what moral choices do you make? And it contrasts moral choices. And um, so it, it seemed like a perfect segue to bring it up. It's called the stone boys and feel free to call me. I would love to come on and talk about it. And it, it fits also. And I want to second your concept that a lot of moral choice making and values um, infusion happens through the story and yep. it's another reason that it's so crucial to get young adults and parents um, uh, still talking about, still reading, uh, you know, because sixth and seventh graders still read with their parents. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, uh, so so I bring up the Stone Boys in that context, but I really also want to agree with what you said. It's crucial. Yeah. So, Michael, my my question was um, <clears throat> no, no, for me, uh, I. The books that I read just for the fun of it, I read on my Kindle. The books that I read for my work, I read as a book because I like to make notes and write things in the books. Mm -hmm. 
When it comes to kids, and so I'm interested in this now because you're so big on limiting screen time. What about reading books on the screen? So, uh, for example, I have been doing, I'm a part of a group where we review each other's books. And I've been reading a lot of kids' books online, so to speak, right? On my Kindle or on my computer. It's not the same as holding that book. Uh, What do you think? Should it be in their hands or on screen? Well, for children, for for young children, definitely let's make it tactile and hold it in their hands, um, if at all possible. And also the colors are going to be more vibrant. The whole experience, uh, the sensorial experience is going to be more vibrant. Uh, They get to hold the book. Uh, so there's variety in holding the different kinds of books, like the when they're younger, you know, the more cardboard, hard, hard books, they get older, they're softer, you know, whereas a Kindle's a Kindle. If you're holding the Kindle with your parent, that's it. You're holding that, you know, and that's it. so you're not having as much of a tactile sensorial experience and and um, across the board. So so I would say absolutely for youngers, if possible. Let's acquire the book, go get the book at the bookstore, like Jed said, pick it out together. Um, Even if going online to pick it out um, and looking at it, if the colors or the cover design stimulates the child, you know, to want it, uh, please order, you know, the physical one, I would say. Okay, so as kids get older, you know, then they're they're moving as everyone is toward more Kindle. Um, I, I still would advocate for them to have the tactile sensorial experience mm-hmm. of holding the book. Yes. But I would be less concerned about it when they're like, you know, 14. Um, but if they're doing Kindle at three and four, I would actually be concerned about it. I would, yeah. if those parents were coming to me, I would advise them. No, not at three or four, but by, by the time the brain pruning period has, has kind of semi completed by 14 or so. Okay. That's okay. So it's going to be the developmental age. Yeah. So Jed, you're a book guy. What do you think? I I agree. It's um I have a I'll be honest with you, I have a real hard time reading a picture book on a laptop on, <laughs> yes. a, on a Kindle. I love my Kindle and I, you know, I li- listen to stories and with audiobooks and and um but you know, trying to do the picture and make the picture fit and the you know with picture books and it's no, it's a nightmare. So, um, yes. And the other thing, Dr. Michael, kids can't chew on a Kindle the way Gross. they do on a board. Book. <laughs> They're having a gustatory experience. Yeah. They're tasting go, the yeah, cardboard. Yeah. We, we've, we've even had a guest on the podcast who came up with this ingenious way. She was upset because her kids were eating the board books and she found pieces of cardboard in his mouth and, and other things that came out of him. And so she was concerned. So she went out and, and she, created a way to publish books on that Tyvek stuff that insulates homes. Very, very safe, but the kids can wow. chew, can chew on the book and put it in the, in the tub with them. They take it in the tub and it's, it's great. And I'm like, this is genius. Wow. Wow. Well, Jed, uh, it's been so good to have you with us, uh, but I want to make sure people can connect with your podcast. And then you have other things as well on your website. It's a really nice website. So give us the, uh, the address again. Sure. If you go to readingwithyourkids.com, when you go, when you go there, I suggest that, that, that you click the parents click here button at the top of the page 
and scroll on down to our blog because one of the things that we have at the Reading With Your Kids podcast is something called the Certified Great Read Program. We have a a panel, and if our panel believes that a book is worthy of four or five out of five stars, it becomes a Certified Great Read. And I believe, Dr. Michael, that somebody's book about a river elf and a coming to age guy named Toby was recently named a certified great read. I'm not, I'm not positive about that, Yay, but I think so. you can I find out. That up. Yeah, you can find out <laughs> at readingforkids.com. Uh, the podcast is available on um, the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Good Pods, Podcast Addict, Ghana, Himalaya, Spotify, wherever you can find the podcast you're listening to, you can find the Reading With Your Kids podcast. And Jed, what are what are the basic ages that you're uh, talking about for a reading audience? We we cover all genres of kids books from board books, middle grade novels like yours. We uh, absolutely would love to talk to you, Dr. Melk, about, about your YA title. We even will sure. oftentimes feature guests of uh, authors who've written books for adults that I mm-hmm. think kids would benefit from. We've we had Dr. Excuse me, Father. Father Greg Boyle on, um, Mm. who started Homeboy Industries, the largest gang intervention unit program in the world. And his two books, Barking to the Choir and Tattoos on the Heart, he came on. And those are tough books. They're talking about gang members. So there's, there's violence and there's death and there's language, but there's also hope. Mm. And there's relationships and there's love. And that is, those are absolutely books that parents can sit down and read with their older middle school kids, with their high school kids. And there are other books like that, that we will oftentimes celebrate. Mm. That's great. It's such, it's such an important resource. And um, this is why we wanted to have you on because it's, it's a one of a kind uh, resource for parents who really believe in the value of reading uh, and their kids reading and reading with your kids, which is so very, very important. Jed, it's been a great delight and joy to have you with us. It's been a pleasure, Tim. Great to see you again. Dr. Michael, it's great to see you. And I look forward to you being right here in the studio. Well, you know, technically, uh, right. technically wise on the Reading With Your Kids podcast. Awesome. I'd love to be. And thank you. You're a wonderful de- guest. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back with you next week.